I was on vacation for a week. And as I started to slowly look at the news, probably like two or three days ago, because I really, I was good. I didn't look at the news for quite a few days. And I just tried to relax. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like the Cold War is reenacted. Oh my Lord. Russiagate has kicked into high gear. Jesus Christ. It's crazy. I mean, uh, Trump orchestrated the, the, payout, the payouts, which we already knew, but now it's in a, you know, indictment. Now it's in um, court filings. And Michael Cohen did it on Trump's behalf. Again, we already knew this, but oh well. Um, apparently the Trump campaign, now the Washington Post is reporting that up to 15 or 16 people in the Trump campaign talked to Russians during the campaign. Oh, Russians. Thank you, Squirrel Lips, $1.99 in the super chat. I got a lot of energy today, so I hope you will bring that super energy. As always, we, right now we're looking for GoFundMe contributions, but we're not going to stray. You're free to leave it in the super chat too. But what's... So, okay. So Trump, the court filings on Friday issued that Trump or individual one was basically instructing Cohen to pay off the porn star as well as the former Playboy model. That's number one. Number two, um, there was apparently Cohen was talking to Russian officials or Russians and they proposed some type of synergy, synergy between the campaign and, and the Russian government. And then number three was apparently, um, you know, all these officials in the Trump campaign have talked to Russians. I mean, I had Morning Joe on this morning because I like to torture myself. And one of their people was like, Trump is now in bed with enemies of the state. Enemies of the state. Oh, my God. Enemies of the state. Could it be more dire? These enemies of the state. So, you know, I don't. There's two separate things. You know, you know I'm a nuanced thinker. I don't just give you whatever hot take everyone else is giving you. But I have two separate thoughts. Number one, on one hand, uh, Trump violating campaign finance laws by basically paying off porn stars and not filing that uh, is a problem. I mean, most other politicians violate campaign finance laws and... Don't pay for it. But it is problematic that he did that. Um, do I think even if it came out during the campaign that he did this, it would have lost him votes? No, because his voters don't give a shit that he's morally compromised. They don't care. They like him because he's morally compromised. Oh, he screwed a porn star. He screwed a Playboy model. He lied about it. Okay. If, if, they, if, if, if the whole like banning Muslims thing didn't stir people away? You think him cheating on his wife and trying to silence the women is going to silence people? I don't think so. So I think it was illegal. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a problem, and I think it's illegal. But, and I also think uh, my eyebrows are getting um, raised when I hear that his campaign officials have been talking, you know, to Russian officials um, during the campaign. But I just, I thought to myself... And I wrote about it. 
at statuscoup.com. I'm going to read it to you, uh, what I wrote. But make it a habit. Go to statuscoup.com because I'll be writing more exclusively at the website. And you could go to statuscoup.com. You could become a member, which we're trying to grow, as well as enter your email, trying to grow our email list too. So you could do all those things, statuscoup.com, if you could put it in there, Jen, so people have it. So I was thinking, wow, how far we have come in the definition of collusion from 2016. Because when I was on the campaign trail and I was in um, at the debates and I was confronting Donna Brazil and Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, Robbie Mook, and Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, uh, John Podesta, collusion, the collusion was that the Trump campaign directly worked with the Russian government to distribute Hillary, uh, DNC emails and Podesta's emails. So that's what they were charging, that the Russians hacked the DNC and Podesta. Trump's campaign knew they did that and worked with them in sync to get those emails out at the worst possible time for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So that was the original Russiagate charge. For those that don't have selective amnesia, that's what they were saying. Well, this, as we've gone, this collusion, there's been, as the collusion turns, collusion has really downgraded now, which is what I wrote about. So I want to read to you my story because I want to be clear, I don't think the things that are coming up with Trump are, are small. I think they are a big deal. However, I do think it's quite different quite, quite different than what the original hyperventilation was about. And that's important because we've been basically prisoners of this Russiagate nonstop coverage. The only times Russiagate has really taken a pause in coverage was during the whole Brett Kavanaugh 24-7 coverage, which I think it should have gotten a lot of coverage, Kavanaugh. And other than that, uh, the midterm elections, but other than that, it's been Russia nonstop, 24-7 for two and a half years. I know, because I was on the campaign trail when it started. So let me read you this story. Uh, I am the author, but I think the points are important. And again, this is at statuscoup.com. Go check it out. So I go away for a week from my first vacation in years, and the Cold War has relaunched. Surprisingly, I was able to stay off Twitter and news websites for the majority of my vacation. But when I caved, the newly majestic and made over Robert Mueller, yeah, the same Bushy who pushed weapons of mass destruction and rounded up immigrants after 9-11 for the crime of being brown, that was, that, that's the same person, Robert Mueller, that the corporate media just loves, dropped his latest gem in the never-ending As the Kremlin Turns, revealing that then-candidate Trump's fixer, Michael Cohen, was, an, was approached by an anonymous Russian with the offer of synergy between the campaign and Moscow. And in a double whammy, prosecutors from the Southern District of New York revealed Trump himself directed the payments made by Cohen to pay off Stormy Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal. Quick, pass the Russian vodka. No, I'm serious, pass it. Don't be driving and texting, proud independent. I see you in the super chat. Just listen, no texting. 
Love you. Of course, a candidate for president violating campaign finance laws for hush money payments to his mistresses is a big deal. Uh, also, although it's not illegal, it's certainly not ethical that candidate Trump was trying to woo Russian oligarchs and Putin to land a Trump Tower in Moscow while simultaneously proposing policies as a candidate that would be favorable to Russia, like loosening the sanctions, reopening diplomatic talks, and potentially pulling the U.S. out of NATO. All things that Trump proposed while a candidate. But if this is the extent of what Robert Mueller has, which we don't know, he, he might have more, I, and I hope objective, non-deranged, corporate media pundits and political hucksters like Congressman Adam Schiff, who basically lives at MSNBC now, it's quite pathetic, are left as unsatisfied as I was at the end of the once great House of Cards, which I just watched the final season, and I gotta say, I loved, loved Robin Wright as the leading woman, you know, after they bumped Kevin, they fired Kevin Spacey for all his uh, deviancy and assaulting, I believe he assaulted men, um, so Robin Wright, you know, they had the last minute in House of Cards. They got rid of Kevin Spacey, and the last season had her as the main character. I thought she was great, but the ending was terrible, if you know what I'm talking about, if you watched it. So why, does it, why my dissatisfaction? Because this is not what was hyperventilated to me by the Hillary Clinton campaign and its stenographers on CNN and MSNBC, dating as far back to 2016. And share this video, share the live stream, because unfortunately, um, we're not getting this out to our whole subscriber base, unfortunately. So for those who don't possess selective amnesia, remember what the original collusion charge was? That the Trump campaign knowingly coordinated with Russian government operatives, operatives who had hacked emails from the DNC and John Podesta, this is, this is what was said. To release emails they knew Russia stole at a time, they knew Russia stole at a time and in a way that would cripple the Clinton campaign in the home stretch of the election. This was what the original accusation was. I know because when I challenged Donna Brazil, when I challenged Robbie Mook, when I challenged John Podesta, this was all the, the, the talking points that they were foaming at the mouth about that the Trump campaign worked with the Russian government to get these emails out. That's, that's what they were saying. That was collusion. So regardless of my thoughts on Clinton or her campaign, <coughs> clear my throat, a warmonger, phony, Republican light, if this were actually true, if Trump worked with the Russian government to, to distribute these hacked emails or Again, I still don't have, I don't see incontrovertible proof that it was hacked by the Russian government. But even if it was, given the benefit of the doubt, if it was, and the Trump campaign knew it and worked with that government to get these emails out in the last month of the campaign, that would be one of the biggest political criminal scandals in American history. It would be. You know, it, this would be a big deal, not because, the na not because the narrative that Russia is actually a grave enemy of the state is true. It's not, as Oliver Stone so brilliantly enlightened us in the untold history of the United States. But because 
A political campaign knowingly working with a foreign government to disseminate illegally obtained data is a big deal, whether it's Russia, Israel, China, or the Penguin government from the North Pole. What up, Boofire? Good to see you. This was the original charge that was made by the likes of Donna Brazil and Clinton campaign chiefs John Podesta and Robbie Mook all three of whom I had the delight of challenging at the third presidential debate, while the rest of the corporate media was more busy challenging the, the debate buffet table. And going on three years later, there's still no evidence that this occurred. Of course, Mueller could ultimately have a smoking gun, or as Trump wrote today, a smocking gun, because apparently the president is illiterate, and doesn't know how to spell. So Mueller could ultimately have a smoking gun in his back pocket that could concretely prove that this, the original charge is exactly what happened. But the laws of Washington, D.C. gravity tend to apply to investigations like this. If Mueller had the goods, probably would have leaked like a sieve by now. I would find it extremely shocking if Mueller had proof that Donald Trump's campaign knowingly worked with the Russian government to distribute John Podesta or the DNC's emails. Yet, watching CNN and MSNBC right now, I mean, you'd, you'd be expecting video to imminently come showing Trump, Putin, and the gang downing vodka while techies work in the background to go through the treasure trove of Clinton DNC emails. I mean, they, it's all hysterical on CNN and MSNBC right now. None of the media and political punditry of the past few days have any bearing in reality. It's all made for TV, the plot thickens nonsense to try and inch us all closer to the collective collusion payoff that these same schmucks have been promising for three years. This collusion, Trump trying to land a Moscow hotel in Cohen and over a dozen of other Trump campaign officials talking to Russians during the campaign might merit raising eyebrows, but it certainly isn't what the early days of Russiagate hysteria alleged. I know because I was there listening to it with a microphone. And while we're at it, let's just point out the selective media hyperventilation over the latest Trump Russia revelations is great and all, but where were these same patriots in the media hollering when, I don't know, Barack Obama hid donors and kept illegal donations in 2008? Anybody recall they got hit with a massive fine for campaign finance violations? Where were they, you know, when Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign illegally coordinated with its super PACs? There's a law against that, but again, laws don't matter if it's the Clintons. Where were they when Obama, like, literally got marching orders from his Citigroup donors on who to put in his cabinet and then appointed every single one to the positions he was instructed to do? Where were they when Dick Cheney led us into Iraq? It wasn't George Bush, it was Dick Cheney. Led us into Iraq to boost Halliburton. Where were they when Israel has meddled into our elections? Where have they been with Paul Ryan's family business 
which his business is in oil. Well, Paul Ryan's horrific budget that he's written for many years gave massive subsidies to the oil companies. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But none of these illegal or unethical acts matter to the corporate media because there's no Russian boogeyman to gin up audiences with. This is what our corporate politics and media have become. Meanwhile, Flint remains poisoned. Four and a half years later, the government continues to surveil activists and progressive groups. Black men continue to be executed by the police. Dangerous pipelines continue to be built through indigenous and minority communities. Local governments overrule the will of the people by overturning ballot measures. Losing Republicans ram through laws to strip newly elected Democrats of their power. That's happening right now in Wisconsin and Michigan. Do you see anything about that? You see very little about that. Oh, and half the country remains living in horrible poverty. In the end, the collusion the media cares about most is what satisfies their noodle brain palates. A Cold War reenactment serving as a craven ratings ploy. But the criminal collusion that's actually stolen the phantom democracy we never really had, the one between our government and the corporations, well, that one remains intact and ignored. So that was a piece that I wrote today. Here's a link. Hope you'll read it. Hope you'll share it. And I want to make something clear. I want to make something super, super clear. Because two things could be true. I'm not saying that there is nothing to Trump and Russia. I think it's clear there's something to Trump and Russia. I mean, bottom line, and I've kind of said this, I don't want to say like I told you so, but the bottom line is I've said this even when I was at the Young Turks. I think Robert Mueller is going to find that Trump has done a shit ton of business with Russia, that Trump was doing business with Russia while he was running for president, which we're starting to see, that Trump has had business with Russian oligarchs who are very, very shady. That Trump was trying to land his hotel in Russia. And in exchange for that, in exchange for that, was basically promising the Russians, you know, we'll loosen the sanctions, maybe we'll pull out of NATO, you know, get, pull NATO and, you know, NATO troops off of your border. Because there's rockets pointed at Russia coming from Turkey. That's NATO. Um, and all these other things. Of course, the media doesn't cover that Trump, as president, has done a lot of things anti-Russia. He's armed the Ukrainian rebels. <laughs> He's bombed Syria, Russia's biggest ally, twice. So those things don't get covered. So two things could be true. On one end, I actually think there is something going on. And there is shady ties between Trump and Russia. But that's not what the point of that story that I wrote is about. Apotheos, you damn right, I can't wait for that, Christian Bale, Dick Cheney, Doc. Christian Bale's my favorite actor, has always been my favorite actor. I, think he, I wish he was in more movies, but I think he's one of the greatest actors and one of the most underrated actors. And I can't wait for him to play that shitbag, Dick Cheney, 100%. So obviously there's something to it. Obviously Trump campaign was talking to Russians. I don't think, you know, the media makes it sound like, oh, these evil, they spoke with Russians. Like, who are these Russians that they spoke with? 
what was spoken about. You know, at a certain point, like, you know, we talk about Islamophobia. We talk about uh, bigotry towards certain countries, certain races. Well, you know, the media is really propping up and elevating this Russiaphobia. Bottom line, campaign finance laws exist. They're not actually executed, but Trump obviously broke them, and that is a big deal. I don't think it would have swayed the election if it came out that he had these affairs. I don't think his voters care. But him trying to cover it up and fudging campaign finance forms, that is a big deal, and it's illegal. Uh, Cohen being offered something by a Russian for, for synergy but not taking him up on it, it's a big deal that Russians were making overtures to the Trump campaign, but as far as we know, Trump campaign didn't take them up on it, unless Mueller has more information that he hasn't released yet. So I'm not saying that there is nothing there. What I am saying is the, the concept of collusion and the charge of collusion has certainly evolved since 2016. Because when I was covering the campaign, when I was covering the campaign, they were saying Hillary Clinton's campaign and the media were putting out this notion and this propaganda that the Trump campaign worked with the Russian government, who the Trump campaign knew had illegally hacked the DNC and the Podesta emails, and they worked with them in sync to distribute those emails through WikiLeaks. That was the, that was the original collusion. And now that has been downgraded to Trump campaign officials talked to a dozen or so Russians and the Russians offered the Trump campaign synergy. Hey, I am happy ultimately to have egg on my face. If, if Robert Mueller comes out with something stronger, if Robert Mueller comes out with something stronger or, or, or a smocking gun, a smocking gun as Trump writes, hey, great. But call me radical, I said, why don't we wait for some evidence? Why don't we wait for his full report and to see if he actually has evidence to back it up? It's not enough for him to just write things in an indictment. I want to know the evidence that backs up these indictments. So I just think it's a really big problem when the media, it's like football, move, keeps moving the goalposts. The original charge was, oh, the Trump campaign worked with a foreign government to hack emails and distribute them? Not that the Trump campaign hacked the emails, but worked with the Russian government who did. Well, been no evidence of that. And by the way, just so you know, because I kind of call it like I see it, I don't care if it's pro-Trump or not, I'm not defending Trump. I think he's awful. But I'm just calling it like it is. What they originally charged, there's been no evidence of. And the media is hysterical. Hysterical over this. So... I'd like more information. Well, what did these Trump campaign officials talk to the Russian officials on? It wouldn't surprise me if the Trump campaign talked to those Russian officials about possibly that Moscow hotel and other business arrangements. Trump is president. Not Trump, his organization, but the United States and Russia could do together. Wouldn't be surprising. But to watch, it's, it's mind-numbing. There's like nothing going on, in the, nothing else going on in the country. Jesus, France, 
All of France is protesting against that rigged economy. Boy, is Macron terrible, by the way. I'm going to do a story on this tomorrow. I didn't have time today to do all the research I want to do on the yellow shirts and all this. And of course, you know, the corporate media and the Democrats in America are saying, oh God, it's Russia. Russia is brainwashing, brainwashing these protesters in France to, to go out and protest against tax increases on the middle and poor people. It's Russia. And by the way, I see in the live chat, allowed to have difference of opinions here. As long as everybody, I don't want people to just, people could challenge me. Not everyone has to agree with me. So I don't mind if Endo or anybody else disagrees with me. But the point is, Jesus Christ, there's, you know, if you're going to say that Trump or any campaign knowingly worked with a foreign government to distribute stolen emails to hurt her, his opponent, you better have evidence of that. And if you don't, I'm going to call you out on the fact that your definition of collusion has radically been downgraded over two years. At the end of the day, Trump's shady. We all knew it. Has he, if he broke laws, he should be held accountable. But it's funny that the Democrats want Trump held accountable for breaking laws. The Clintons, I mean, the Clinton Foundation, the emails, the coordination of super PACs with her campaign, all that's just water under the bridge. So, Endo, I agree with you. Trump can be treasonous. I think what I'm pointing out, Endo, what I'm pointing out is what is the treason here? What is the treason, Endo, or anyone else? Is the treason that the Trump campaign knowingly worked with a foreign government to distribute his opponent's emails to cripple his opponent? Because that is what Russiagate was for basically two years. That's what they were pushing. That the Trump campaign, through Roger Stone and other intermediaries, we're working with the Russian government to get those emails out through WikiLeaks. And there's been no evidence of that. Doesn't mean that this shady deals with Russia and, you know, he was going to he was going to offer Putin the penthouse in the, in the Trump Moscow to get the deal done. Doesn't mean that's right. It doesn't mean that there isn't laws that were broken because there were, particularly with the payoff to the porn star. I can't even say it with a straight face. The payoff to the porn star and the Playboy model. Mr. Kelly, stay tuned. I have a story on Mr. Assange. But I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of the Russiagate, Russiagate hysterics without, that have so dramatically changed. Because I could tell you, I was there, I was on the campaign trail. This is not what they were talking about. And if all Robert Mueller has, he possibly has more, but if all he has is the Trump campaign talking to some Russian people or whoever these Russians were, and we don't have details of what those conversations were, or if the Trump campaign took up these offers of synergy, boy, that will be one movie that ending is less than we bargained for. Marshall, eat the rich. I agree. Reminder, folks, all 119 of you watching, this is a super chat, and I am fresh from 
the Caribbean. So if you're feeling super, let me know in the live chat here. And before I move on to the next story, I just want to, while we're on the website, reminder, make it a habit, bookmarkstatuscoup.com. You could go read my story right here on statuscoup.com. We are also, also trying to build up our paid membership. So if you're not a Patreon, I hope you'll consider becoming a member. You go click there on become a member. There's two plans. Uh, you could become a member at $5 a month at the status slayer level status slayer where you get our podcast ty and i do a podcast i'm also going to be doing my own podcast you get my behind the scenes video diaries Ooh, there's the pop-up to enter your email i hope you do that um you get my behind the scenes video diaries and we're doing a monthly email newsletter that i'm going to start writing uh this week uh, which has original reporting as well as stories you probably don't know about that the corporate media is not covering. And $10 a month, coup de champions. I thought long and hard on these names, coup de champion. You get everything for $5 plus uh, we're going to do a monthly video call, which we'll be setting up soon for this month with me and uh, $10 members. Uh, you're also going to get some more behind the scenes content when we're in the field and uh, our documentary that we're releasing soon on Flint, and we're going to be doing some other short-form documentaries, you'll get bonus content. But most importantly, membership is how we're going to grow long-term. Uh, we are, as a business, we don't want to rely on corporate advertisers. We don't want to rely on anything other than our viewers. So we hope you'll check it out. And when you become a member, here's the member section. So you get exclusive content. There's uh, the, the wonderful... Jen Dyes, giving you a little behind the scenes on, on the Flint story. I'm also going to have an update on that Flint story this week, hopefully. I'm going to give that to members first. There is Ty editing away. He shows you a little behind the scenes as he's editing the documentary. And there is uh, yours truly behind the scenes, my video diary. And Jen takes some badass images while we're reporting in the field. So we're going to be sprinkling with some behind the scenes photos from time to time. There's Ty and my podcast. Uh, uh, we're going to be releasing a podcast. Um, we'll probably end up releasing most of the podcast on YouTube, but the full is just for members. And there's more podcasts, more photos. That was me almost caving in on an abandoned house in Flint whose porch was basically non-existent, and I almost fell into the porch. <laughs> Knocking on doors. Old school journalism. So we hope, hope you'll consider becoming a member. Uh, I know not everybody has uh, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. For, for those who do, support real independent journalism. There's a lot of outlets out there talking about themselves as independent journalists. It's not backed up by who they take money from. We are taking money from you, our viewers, because I don't want to be indebted to anybody else but you, the viewer. So I really, really hope you'll consider it. If you're a Patreon subscriber already, stay where you are. You don't have to switch. You're free to switch. Uh, I will be honest that we do get Patreon takes a little bit more of a cut than our membership portal. Uh, so if you want to switch from Patreon to membership, you're free to do that. Uh, but if not, you could stay a Patreon. We appreciate your contributions either way. And as a reminder, I, I missed you on Sundays. This Sunday, another marathon, baby. Another marathon. 12 o'clock Eastern, Super Chat slash GoFundMe live stream. This Sunday, noon Eastern time. Put it in now. Show up. We're going to have some fun. Maybe I'll break the record. My record is seven and a half hours live. Maybe I could go longer. 
depends how much money it contributes. So I want to bring up another story that's kind of tied to Russia a little bit, but Julian Assange, Julian Assange. Um, a couple of weeks ago, before I went on vacation, if you remember that Guardian story that Julian Assange and Paul Manafort met three times at the uh, Ecuador embassy in London, uh, they said, I think, 2012, 2013, and 2016, uh, they really provided no real evidence for such. Um, but The Guardian reported this, and then every other media outlet breathlessly reported it. That Guardian report that said they met three times, including 2016 when Paul Vacation, Paul Vacation, Paul Manafort, <laughs> um, and became the tr Trump campaign chairman, that report conveniently came out as uh, media, you know, press freedom organizations were trying to get the U.S. Uh, indictment. I don't know if it's not an indictment, but the U.S. Um, is it an indictment? Jen, can you get, get me this? I don't know the proper word. The U.S., the secret, I think it's an indictment against Assange that they accidentally revealed. So press freedom groups were trying to get this indictment unsealed so we could see what's in it. So right before, right as that was happening, thank you, Mr. Kelly, indictment. You see, I'm very sunburnt, so it's that my brain. By the way, if you came to this late, I was just on vacation for a week. I'm a white, pale Jew, and SPS 50 apparently doesn't work because I am peeling like you wouldn't believe. Now, my lip got burnt, too. So, you know, in a normal circumstance, in a, in a normal world, if a major outlet like The Guardian, who I think The Guardian has done a lot of good work over the years, particularly on climate change, but in a normal situation, in a normal media world, it would kind of be a scandal if a large media outlet reported that enemy number one of the Republic, Julian Assange, uh, Julian Assange met with the head of the Trump campaign in 2016, providing zero evidence of such. Literally, the story provides no evidence, a high-level anonymous source. That and then no other media outlet, no other media outlet can independently confirm that this happened. Because in a lot of cases, like a, store, a place, an outlet will break something, and then the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, whatever, will independently, they're not going to, they don't just take that outlet's word for it, but they independently confirm it through their sources. No other media outlet has confirmed this, The Guardian's reporting. None. So that would kind of be scandalous. Can you imagine if little old status quo, we're going to be big, but right now, little old status quo, like reported, like, I don't know, Hillary Clinton met with bin Laden? You know, during the 2008 campaign, I knew where bin Laden was, and like I had a high-level source. Can you imagine? I'd probably be thrown in jail. I'd definitely be sued. So... This is unbelievable, and it's quite evident 
I don't know if the Guardian is just incompetent now or if they're literally working with the United States government in concert with the new Ecuadorian president, in concert with British officials, uh, excuse me, London officials, to basically provide cover for their arrest of Julian Assange, because that's what it seems like. So, you know, everything I'm talking about is reflected. Here's a piece in Newsweek. Last week, The Guardian published a bombshell front page story asserting, without producing any evidence, that Julian Assange had secretly met the recently convicted former Trump campaign manager, Paul Manafort, in 2013, 2015, and 2016. The, The Guardian's attacks on Assange came only days after it was confirmed that he has been indicted some time ago under seal and that the U.S. will seek his extradition from the U.K. The story was published just hours before a hearing brought by media groups trying to stop the U.S. government from keeping its attempts to extradite Assange secret. The story went viral, repeated uncritically by many media outlets around the world, including Newsweek. This falsely cast Assange into the center of a conspiracy between Putin and Trump. The Guardian even had the gall to post a call to its readers to donate to protect independent journalism when factual, trustworthy reporting is under threat. These three meetings with Manafort did not happen. As The Guardian admitted, the embassy's visitor logs show no such visits. The Guardian claims they saw a separate internal document written by Ecuador's Senine Intelligence Agency that lists Paul Manafort as, as one of several well-known guests. Manafort, through his spokesperson, has stated, this story is totally false and deliberately, deliberately libelous. I've never met Julian Assange or anyone connected to him. As I said when this came out, I don't really care what Manafort says because the guy's a habitual liar, but I do care, A, there's no logs of this, B, London and that embassy is probably the most surveilled city in the world. And that embassy, there is millions of dollars that have been put towards security. Nothing goes through that embassy without it being seen or showing up on camera. And WikiLeaks, who has a 100% um, credibility ranking, they've never had to retract a story or anything. They've never, not that I know of at least, they've literally said, we'll give you a million dollars if you can prove this happened. I trust WikiLeaks. I don't trust Paul Manafort. I do trust WikiLeaks. So, It appears the Guardian editors tried to backpedal from the original story with post-publication stealth edits, but they have not issued a correction or an apology. The journalist who wrote this story must surely know that guests who enter the embassy must be registered into logs, as pointed out by the former first secretary at the Ecuadorian embassy from 2010 to July 2018. Ecuadorian intelligence has spent millions of dollars on setting up security cameras inside its embassy in London to monitor Julian Assange and his visitors. The Guardian has previously published still shots from those cameras. However, in the case of the claimed Manafort meeting, they apparently demanded no such verification. They also overlooked the simple fact that millions of pounds have been spent over the years by the Metropolitan Police and Secret Services on monitoring the entrances of the embassy. 24-7. This is part 
of a series of stories from The Guardian, such as its recent claim of a Russia escape plot to enable Assange to flee the embassy, which is not true. What do these stories have in common? They all give the UK and Ecuador political cover to arrest Assange and for the US to extradite him. Any journalist worth their salt should be investigating who is involved in these plots. Mike Pompeo, when he was CIA director, said that the U.S. was working to take down WikiLeaks. This was months after WikiLeaks released thousands of files on the CIA, the largest leak of CIA documents in history, called Vault 7. The Guardian seems determined to link Assange to Russia, in full knowledge that such claims are prejudice, prejudicial in the context of Mueller's probe in the U.S. and the Democratic National Committee lawsuit, against WikiLeaks. Numerous commentators have criticized The Guardian for its coverage of Assange. Glenn Greenwald, former columnist for The Guardian, writes that the paper has such a pervasive and unprofessional personal hatred for Assange that it is frequently dispensed with all journalistic standards in order to malign him. Another former Guardian journalist, Jonathan Cook, writes, the propaganda function of the piece is patent. It is intended to provide evidence for longstanding allegations that Assange conspired with Trump and Trump's supposed backers in the Kremlin to damage Hillary Clinton during the 2016 campaign. Hours before The Guardian published its article, WikiLeaks received knowledge of the story and outed it with a denial to its 5.4 million Twitter followers. The story, that made the, front, the story then made the front page, and The Guardian asserted they had not received a denial prior to publication, as they had failed to connect the correct person. Oh, my God fail to connect the right person. A simple retraction and apology will not be enough. This is persecution of Assange, is one of the most serious attacks on journalism in recent times. And this was written by, wrote, written by Kristen uh, Harfnan, I don't know how to pronounce that, Harfnan, who is an Icelandic investigative journalist who has worked with WikiLeaks since 2009. Why I bring this up, it kind of goes hand in hand, frankly, kind of goes hand in hand with the story I wrote for statusquo.com. If you're coming to this late, go check out that story on the front page. The, you know, when the media, and trust me, I know this firsthand, I, I dealt with this firsthand, if you get my drift. When the media or, or journalists or just idiots report false things online, especially false things to the severity and to the, to the high tension and high interest level of Julian Assange meeting with uh, Paul Manafort. When they do this, it goes viral. Just like if I get smeared, it goes viral. Just like if any High-level person, whether it's Assange or, or me or anyone else, not that I'm to that level, but you get my point. When false informations, when smears go out, it often goes viral because lies travel quicker than truth on the Internet. But when that lie serves the corporate propagandists at CNN, at MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, when that lie fits their narrative, 
Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They often don't correct it when it becomes quite apparent that it's not true. And by the way, by the way, that piece is right because if this lie by the Guardian stands, it will give the United States, Ecuador, and London more cover to arrest Julian Assange and extradite him, which to me, you could have your opinions about Julian Assange. You could have your opinion on uh, WikiLeaks. Some hate it. Some love it. I, I'm more towards the love it. Don't agree with everything, but by and large, I think they've been demonstrably a positive force for transparency, the free flow of information, and exposing corruption, criminal criminality, and war crimes. I think it's important. I think it's important that people like Julian Assange could do what they do in freedom and not have to look over their shoulder. But it's going to give them cover, this Guardian story, which is demonstrably, at this point, no objective person, no objective person who's not a Russiagate lunatic, uh, you know, is not like a Hillbot, no objective person could sit there and say, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's definite that Paul Manafort, when he became Trump campaign chairman, he like broke bread with Julian Assange right in the embassy. It's, and by the way, as a journalist, when you make a mistake, oh my God, especially in this 24-7 Twitter era, oh, when you make a mistake, it's terrible. I, 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 luckily, I've never made a colossal mistake to the level The Guardian has. But even the smallest mistake, if you tweet out something wrong or if your story has a fact wrong and you get called on it, it sucks. It sucks. You're embarrassed. You, you get nervous. You know, all those things. It sucks because in journalism, if it's like if, it, if you're trading, your, your currency is your facts and your reputation is based on your facts, not just your integrity not just your, um, you know, people could like your personality, your style, whatever, but if your facts are wrong, that's problematic. But this is a big fucking mistake that The Guardian made. I'm not sure, honestly, it is a mistake. Because to me, you would have to be, you would have to have a real motive, as Glenn Greenwald wrote. You would have to really fucking hate Julian Assange to report with no hard evidence that he and Paul Manafort, when Paul Manafort, right when he became the Trump campaign chairman. So I would say I'll follow this story, but the media has basically just regurgitated what The Guardian wrote, and that's been it. So I am going to reach out to The Guardian myself and try to get comment because I'd like to know, do you have any additional information to, to prove this or you just want to regurgitate more bullshit can't be both oh you got me wound up I'm already 10 minutes over an hour but I'm going to keep going I got, I got another story and by the way folks just reminding you just reminding you contrary to whatever that hack on the other channel said I'm not independently wealthy and we are still very much pushing this GoFundMe haven't gotten, haven't gotten anything while live, so hopefully somebody can get us started on the GoFundMe. Again, this is 
This is different than our monthly membership. We're doing both at once. So we want to raise funds in the GoFundMe. The GoFundMe funding is really, really so we can get out in the field, uh, Ty and I, and continue to cover stories that no one else is covering. To tell you the truth, if I had if I had the money right this minute to do it, I really want to go to Wisconsin or Michigan where Republican legislatures that just lost control uh, t- to Democrats are literally rewriting the laws to strip those Democrats of power. I mean, literally this happens in banana republics. And you don't even have to like the Democrats that just won power. I don't even, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know much about uh, the Wisconsin, the newly elected Wisconsin governor. He seems kind of like a moderate centrist, so not my cup of tea. But I do know something that you want to talk about threats to our democracy from Russia? How about threats to our democracy from Republicans literally rewriting the laws because they lost an election to strip the governor of power, to strip the attorney general of power? This is happening in Wisconsin and Flint. And this was done in North Carolina, I believe, last year. Do you see anything about this on the news? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I would love to get out there, and uh, hopefully you can help me do it. Go fund me. Uh, Jen will put the link in there. Martini1179. You know what, Martini? I'm not not even going to bring up his name again because I don't want to give him more attention. But let's just say some idiot. I didn't honestly I, I never knew he had a channel I'm gonna have to go look at that channel uh, said that oh I'm conning people and I have all this money so don't donate I'd love to know where he's getting his information from I'd really like to know because <laughs> if I do have all this money I'd like to know where it is so I could go retrieve it unbelievable that somebody on YouTube again I, I I'm not saying this to be mean to him. I just, I've never heard of him. But unbelievable that somebody with no facts just goes out and smears somebody saying, oh, he's conning people into donating. I mean, where, where does this person get this information from? If I, if I had all this money, do you really think I'd be busting my ass on not just Sundays? That, those marathons I do on Sunday, I hope you join me. I don't just like go live at 12 o'clock and go for seven and a half hours. I spend most of Saturday planning for Sunday. So I have enough to talk about. So we have enough videos lined up. So I have enough stuff to show you. Yeah. You think I'm going to be spending Saturday and Sunday all day if I had the money? No, no, I don't have the money. But it's not me. It's status quo. We are in the grassroots startup building phase. And we're not ashamed to say it. So that's why we have a GoFundMe. That's why we have paid membership, because we are trying to build not just a media company. We are trying to build a media revolution. And as opposed to whoever this guy is or whatever other idiots there are on YouTube, I don't just come from my mother's basement doing gossip. We go out into the field, roll up our sleeves, and we show you things that you will not see anywhere else. So when I, when we launch a GoFundMe and we uh, do paid membership, what you see is what you get. Because you could ask Jen, who I just spoke to, who I speak to routinely, saying I'm fucking anxious as hell because my personal financial situation is not so great. So 
screw you to whichever channel said that with no facts. And by the way, if you have the facts, I would love you to come back with them. Absolutely would love that. Because if there is some money that is mine that I don't know about, please introduce me to it. Please. Ah, that felt good. That felt good. Get that off my sunburned chest. I peeled. And Jen's going to be mad at me. Jen's going to be mad at me. All right, I'll say. Apparently there's a, 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 a progressive voice. Not a voice in your head. There's a progressive voice channel. I don't say that condescendingly. I just have never heard. Never heard of them. So I'll have to go check it out. But somebody in the beginning of this live stream said that he was smearing me saying that I'm conning people and not to donate. Again, you're not donating to me. This is to status quo. This is a, a network. Uh, and not to donate because I have... I already have a lot of money. So, I'd, I'd love to hear about all that money I have. Jen, could you chime in here? Uh, how many days a week do I bug you about how I'm going poor, personally? <laughs> anyway, sorry, had to get that off my chest. And Mr. Kelly, bedtime in the UK? I, tomorrow, will have more on uh, the protests in France. I, that might not be where you are, but... Martini, unsubbing for Progressive Voice Channel? Hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to um, get people to unsubscribe from him, but I if, I... if somebody tells me that some dude on YouTube is, without facts, lying about me and status quo, I am working my ass off here to grow status quo. Jen is working her behind off to grow status quo. Neither of us. By the way, Jen, if you want to know the truth, is really fucking smart and could be making a hell of a lot more money working somewhere else than she is here. Okay? So, and I could sell out and go work for corporate media. Point is, trust us. We haven't launched this GoFundMe like because we ourselves have money, but don't just want to spend it. If I had the money to independently fund this venture, I would. But at the moment, I don't. Maybe that will change in the future, but that's not the case. So, anyway, boiled rope lampposts don't sell out. You know boiled rope lampposts? I thought of that. I thought of, not, I didn't think about selling out. But I was thinking of the concept. I was thinking about the concept of selling out while I was laying on a beach in Belize. I, I'm getting very off track here, but I want to just tell you. So I was reading Chris Hedges' book while laying on a beach in Belize. Uh, his book is great, by the way. You should definitely read it. It's called The America, The Farewell Tour. And literally, I have a highlighter while laying on the beach in Belize because he writes so many things that are just like amazing one-liners that are just so powerful and so true. It's called, yeah, it's called um, America the Farewell Tour. Tell you the truth, I've reached out to him a few times to interview him. He responded once uh, that he was interested, but since then I haven't gotten a response. So he's probably just busy, but I have been trying to get him on here uh, to interview him about the book and a lot of other things. I could, I literally, I could, interview, I could ask him 100 questions. The guy is so, so intelligent. 
and really, really, I think, a leading progressive mind. Um, so I was reading this, and there's a lot about basically how the how corporate media just exists to serve the empire. And I, you know, I know that corporate media is just propaganda, but that it ex- literally exists as a reinforcement and to basically elevate U.S. empire. And I never really thought about it in those terms. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm never gonna make. I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna be rich. And I'm always going to be relatively, I don't want to say in danger, but I'm always going to have a target on my back because a lot of the things that we do and that we cover are pretty, you know, pretty um, out there as far as, you know, challenging power. But man, you know, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson, who is another guy that I really respect and I read his book. Hunter S. Thompson had a great quote once. Um, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was like, you know, what is, what is life? You know, uh, what is a man? What is the better man? One who rode the waves of life and took risks or one who rode the waves of security? I'm totally paraphrasing because I don't know the exact quote. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm never going to sell out because I can't, I, I can't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I do not want to be a agent of the United States Empire. Just can't do it. Thank you, Terame, $2. You always get me in the mood for Terramisu. Uh, Terame, $2 in the super chat. Good to have you back, Jordan. Jen and Sam did great. Yes, I appreciate uh, Jen. And Jen's going to be going live more often. Because you know what? Jen also isn't going to like me saying this, but I'm just going to... I always keep it real. Jen is a very... Uh, bottled up journalist she's like a journalist in a bottle you know that Christina Aguilera song I'm a genie in a bottle she's like a journalist in a bottle she's much better researcher than I am she's fantastic researcher if, if you got shit to hide she'll find it this, this woman knows how to find bodies that are buried and skeletons she's a good writer and she would be good on, on air but she doesn't want to do it she doesn't, want to, she, she doesn't like going on air. I don't know why. But she wants to do more journalistic work. And I said to her, well, we, I need somebody with a brain who knows marketing and business because we need to grow the business. Because unfortunately, if we don't grow the business, become a paid member now, go to statuscoup.com, become a member, or go fund me, there ain't going to be any journalism for you to do or me to do. Eventually, you know, we need to grow the business. And that eventually is now. So I want Jen to do more on-air reporting. I want her to have time to do more um, written articles and all that. So you could help us free up her time by becoming a paid member, by the GoFundMe contributions, but most importantly, becoming a monthly member. The more members we get, the more it frees us up, A, that Jen could do other things, reporting, but also we want to bring on other people. We want to bring on other people. Proud Independent says, I liked her on air. She's great. You could do it, Jen. I agree. She's not going to like it that I'm talking about this. But I always say to her, what are you afraid of? Stop being afraid of your own shadow. And she thinks, she, she thinks people won't like her. I said, trust me, they'll like you. Thank you, Trisha Brown just donated $5 in the GoFundMe. And as I always say in the GoFundMe, there's no amount too big or too small. Definitely no amount too big. But if all you got is $5, that's okay too. 
but we really want to keep this GoFundMe moving. And by the way, as I always say, it's not just about, it's not just about the actual number we're raising. Of course, that's why we're doing GoFundMe, to raise money. It's also about the number, the number of people. Because full disclosure, um, you know, we are reaching out for larger funding. So I sent some of our stuff to uh, a couple people I had in mind to possibly partner up with. And literally three of them, three of them said, wow, you got almost 500 people? Almost 500 people have donated in just three months? That's pretty damn good. So like I say, it's equally important to get the number of people who donate because that's what people who might be interested in doing larger funding want to see, that you already have a base of support willing to support you, not just by watching, but also through uh, financial support. So now that I went off the rails for approximately 20 minutes, I want to talk about another element of U.S. empire. I couldn't believe this story. I couldn't believe this story. And I'm not fake news. Jen is just, Jen doesn't like when I speak the truth. She's blushing. Jordan, could you resist $30,000 a day to play the corporate tune? Absolutely. $30,000 a day? No. Does that, I'm, I, I know you don't believe me, Tim, because most people are full of shit. And that is literally, I told Jen, that is going to be the title of my future book. Everyone's, everyone's terrible and everyone's full of shit. What is the point of the money if you're miserable with it? What is the point of the money if you're miserable with it? Because before I went to the Young Turks, I was in corporate media jobs where I made more money. And I was miserable. So, no. There's no amount of money per day. If, if I'm doing corporate propaganda and stenography, I would not be happy. Period. End of story. Take that. Smoke it. And save this video that if I ever do, you could pin me down and beat the living haylight out of me. So, you know, Yemen, genocide, United States, we've been refueling Saudi Arabia's planes for going on three years now. So Saudi Arabia could drop bombs on school buses and kill and slaughter Yemenese children. Well, apparently, apparently... Saudi Arabia hasn't even been paying us the full amount that they owe us, which means we're footing the bill for this genocide. Where's Jake Tapper? Where's Jake Tapper right now saying, how are you going to pay for it? The U.S. is paying more than it bargained for in the Yemen war. The Pentagon says that errors in accounting, oh, errors in accounting, means Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have not been properly charged for refueling. It's unbelievable. President Donald Trump, who repeatedly complains that the U.S. is paying too much for the defense of its allies, has praised Saudi Arabia for extensively taking on Iran in the Yemen war. Turns out, however, the U.S. taxpayers have been footing the bill for a major part of the Saudi-led campaign, possibly to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. The revelation detailed in a de Defense Department letter obtained by The Atlantic is likely to raise further ire among senators who have grown ever more critical of Saudi conduct in the war, which has resulted in a growing number of civilian casualties and U.S. support for it. Eh, I, I don't know if that's true. 
I mean, most of these senators are rightly upset about the Khashoggi murder and assassination, excuse me. And it just came out that his final moments were screaming, I can't breathe, before they dismembered him. Uh, Still unbelievable that the U.S. has done nothing about this under Trump. Since the start of the Saudi-led, since the start of the Saudi-led intervention in March 2015, and up until last month, the U.S. provided mid-air refueling for Saudi-led coalition aircrafts that then flew missions related to the Yemen campaign. Well, you should also write in there, the Atlantic, drop bombs on school buses and weddings, killing children and women. Getting heavy U.S. tankers into the air and carrying out this job is enormously expensive. The recipient country is required by law to pay the cost, but that isn't what happened here. In a mea culpa of sorts, the Pentagon's November 27th letter states that while the Defense Department believed Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates has been charged for the fuel and refueling services, they, had, they in fact had not been charged adequately. How inadequately the, pen, penata, uh, the pen, Pentagon will not say yet. It is currently calculating the correct charges, the letter states. And by the way, this whole accounting error by the Pentagon, this is the same Pentagon that literally never has been audited. This is something Rand Paul and Ron Paul have talked about rightly. When's the last time the Pentagon's been audited? It's a rhetorical question. I mean, it's really unbelievable accounting errors. On Thursday, the, the Pentagon On Thursday, the Pentagon confirmed the letter's contents to the Atlantic. Although DOD has received some reimbursement for in-flight refueling assistance provided to the Saudi-led coalition, U.S. Central Command recently reviewed its records and found errors in accounting where DOD failed to charge the SLC adequately for fuel and refueling services. Commander uh, Commander Rebecca Rabarik, a Pentagon spokeswoman, told the Atlantic, the Pentagon's letter says that it reached these conclusions after Senator Jack Reed, the top Democrat on the Senate Armed Com- Services Committee, made a specific request for information. Reed, along with seven other Democratic senators, raised the question of reimbursement in a letter to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis in March. The Pentagon's response, admitting errors in accounting, arrived the day before a key Senate procedural vote on withdrawing U.S. support for the war effort. Quote, It is clear that the department has not lived up to its obligation to keep Congress appropriately informed or its responsibility to secure timely reimbursement, Reid said. U.S. US provided aerial refueling assistance was provided to the Saudi-led coalition for more than three and a half years, activities that likely cost tens of millions of dollars. We must ensure that U.S. taxpayers are fully reimbursed for that support. So... I mean, there's so many things wrong with this. First of all, the fact that Jack Reed, the fact that Jack Reed, that senator, and others' main issue with this is that, oh, we just haven't been reimbursed adequately? No. Who's going to reimburse, you know, the Yemenese children and these women at, at weddings who have been assassinated by our weapons, by the way? They're dropping our bombs and those planes are being refueled by us. So, yes, as a taxpayer, I am annoyed that our money is being spent on crimes against humanity. 
But the main point is not the reimbursement. The main point is the genocide that we are accomplices to. So, you know, these senators and stuff, you want to be upset about something? How about you be upset about the genocide, which finally more real images showing essentially children with their bones coming out. They're so skinny and starving. But what's interesting is, you know, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets interviewed on CNN or Bernie Sanders gets interviewed or any progressive gets interviewed talking about free public college, Medicare for all, uh, and you know, Green New Deal, all these things. Oh my God, immediately. How are you going to pay for this? How are you going to pay for this progressive? Good things for humanity. Healthcare for all. How are you going to pay for this stuff? Well, I have ha- I've not heard anything about these accounting errors. Who's going to pay for these accounting errors? I'm sure Anderson Cooper, that's the first thing he's going to be asking tonight. Jake Tapper has often asked about Medicare for All. Well, who's going to pay for these things? And as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pointed out, I believe, who did she interview with? Was it Chris Cuomo? I don't remember who. She pointed out. We're all, you know, you're always very, very quick to ask, how are we going to pay for things that actually help working people or help the climate and the planet? We're, we're never, never quick to ask how are we going to pay for these bank subsidies or these oil subsidies or this corporate welfare or the endless wars that we're now not even being reimbursed for. Moscow, Jordan, we need to ask GOP and corporate Dems how they, would pay, how they will pay for the war budget and tax cuts for the very rich. Couldn't agree more. Tim Buck, capitalism has re- been replaced by systemic bribery. Yep. Mr. Black, I know the neolib sellouts from CNN love asking that stupid question, how are you going to pay? See, it's all about how are you going to pay for the things that I, the million-dollar anchor, don't give a shit about because I'm sitting pretty in my ivory tower. How are you going to pay for those things? It's never about how are you going to pay for the things that, oh, my parent company that signs my paycheck, they like the endless war. Or, oh, they like tax cuts for themselves and the wealthy. Can't make it up. Can't make it up. I'm going to look more into this story because it's outrageous. I'd like to see how much more, how many more accounting errors are we, the taxpayer, paying for? And how many more people are dying or starving across the country, across the world because of these errors we're making? Because you want to know something? It's not an error when you are an accomplice to genocide, okay? You want to talk about the threat of Iran? You could do that to your blue in the face. But the threat of Iran does not get the United States license to basically produce mass famine of a whole country of people and kill tens of thousands of them and starve children and murder and drop bombs on school buses and weddings. This is 
genocide, straight up. You want to talk about, oh, Putin. Putin is a slaughterer. He assassinates journalists, all these things. Yeah, he does. But what are we doing in Yemen? What are we doing in Yemen? And when are we going to demand that the media and the politicians stop asking how you're going to pay for things that actually help the people they're elected to represent? And the corporate media, by the way, the media exists not to enlighten the wealthy and not to protect the wealthy, but to protect and enlighten the common folk, dare I say, the proletariat. Muscal, I am very sick of people calling the progressives extreme. What's extreme, about, what's extreme about affordable high ed for a better job, a living wage, affordable house, rent controls, don't trash the environment. You know what's extreme about that, Muscal? It might take away a few of these rich people's yachts. That's the truth. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for watching me back from vacation. To be honest with you, uh, I didn't have a ton of time. Paul says, I've been saying it since Jordan started this channel. Status quo is having a silver lining. It is uniting both sides for common sense. You know, that's an important point, Paul, because when I worked for the Young Turks and I was out in the field, there's a lot of conservative right-wing people that agree with this stuff. A lot of them. You know, rich people not being able to run the world is kind of a bipartisan idea. Don't let Fox News fool you. Uh, rich people not hoarding the money so that working people can live, feed their children, kind of a bipartisan support for that idea. I can't pronounce your name who just said that, but he said, I sent $50 for your GoFundMe. Thank you for your generous contribution. Oh, I'm going to try to pronounce it right now. Hold on. Let's show you the number here. Panayotia Damatpalas. Panayotio Damatpalas. Just left 50 bucks. So now we're at $26,429. $26,429. Listen, folks, I'm going to keep it real. I know it is hard. And I know it's hard going three months into the GoFundMe to keep the urgency going. But that urgency is real, contrary to what some other idiot on another channel said. We are pushing for $50,000 because we need every last penny of it to get out in the field and do real reporting because our business model is rolling up our sleeves and getting out there and covering things. And we believe, Jen, I, Jen, myself, and Ty, that more people, not just the audience we have now, but we will be able to attract a larger audience by offering something to the wider country and the wider world because we have international viewers that no one else is offering. There is nobody else going back to Flint. There is nobody else that wants to go cover Keystone Pipeline, for example, where even though a judge has said you cannot construct this pipeline, the workers cannot do any more construction, I have sources on the ground telling me that they are still constructing. I want to be there even in minus 20 degree weather right now. I want to go to Wisconsin 
where literally the Republicans who just lost the government are literally rewriting the laws to strip the Democrats who won the election. That's real hijacking of democracy, not a Russian boogeyman. And that is why we're pushing this GoFundMe. So thank you, thank you to 469 people who have contributed. Like I said, I will be live on, I'm going to be live every day this week, Monday, uh, every day this week at 5 o'clock, but Sunday, my marathon live streams return, 12 o'clock noon Eastern time. And we are live on Sundays to try and raise more money in the GoFundMe. We call it the Sunday Super Chat, but it's most importantly to raise money in the GoFundMe. And, and, we don't want to give you too many options, but we do want you to know we're trying to do as much as we can. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, we really hope you'll go to the website, check it out. Check out what we have uh, for members. And, you'll con- and you could become a paid member. You could do it as low as $5 a month or for a little bit more, uh, $10 a month, you get a little more content. So thank you guys for watching. I'll be back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, most people are not lacking compassion in this country. Most people have no fucking idea what the hell is going on.